in the morning, O Lord, in the morning will I direct my prayer unto thee, and will look up. Please fill out your prayer requests if you have them in the bulletin there this morning. And also, we have that shelf for the food for the hungry and for the needy in Wichita, and also for the baby chains, the chains we collect, that we buy items of uh, uh, baby wipes and also diapers and all the necessities for little babies for the treehouse ministries. And then we're going to have a 27th on Wednesday. We're going to have a blood drive here at the church. So if you're free, you can sign up and there's a website with our name on it and you can click on and make your time. Also, if you'd like to read the Bible in a year, we have schedules in the lobby on the rack on the uh, west side of our uh, lobby. And therefore, um, either you can write, read the Bible, the whole Bible, or the, just the New Testament. And we have them spotted up in different ways and they are great ways to... So you know, if you fall behind, you can even catch up pretty quick. And then our candlelight service will have one service on Christmas Eve, and that will be at 10 a.m. And also uh, New Year's Eve also will be at 10 a.m. I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. Let's worship our God and let's stand together as we sing, Great is Thy Faithfulness.
be seated. As we praise God, we also know that we fall short as we look at him and as we sing praise to him, that he's much greater and his perfections are beyond compare. And so we come to him and we pray our prayers of confession and the reality of his perfections and our failures and his grace to us. So let's pray together. Almighty God, you have provided us with tremendous material blessings, but we admit we are so busy using them that we don't take the time to return thanks to you for the freedoms we have to live the way we choose to worship you unhampered and pursue our personal dreams. We confess that sometimes we take them for granted. Lord, in this moment of clarity, we want to thank you for these and all the other blessings bestowed upon us. In particular, we thank you for washing us clean from our sin and giving us salvation through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And we're assured how we are forgiven when we hear the words from the psalmist as he understood the wonderful blessing of forgiveness from our Father. For his unfailing love toward those who fear him is great, as high as the heavens are above the earth. He has removed our sins as far as us from the east is from the west. The Lord is like a father of his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. Psalm 103. And then we're challenged how to live by those same guidelines. Let all that I am praise the Lord with all my heart. I will praise his holy name. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget all the good things he does for me. He forgives all my sins and heals my diseases. He redeems me from death and crowns me with his love and tender mercies. He fills my life with good things. My youth is renewed like that of the eagles. Let's continue in our worship and let's sing Amazing Love.
Father, we just give you thanks and praise for the many blessings as we were reminded this week of being this country and for those brave men and women who sacrificed their lives and now a hundred came and only 50 remained and yet they were here for their freedom of religion. They were here to share the gospel to the indigenous tribes of this nation. And we give you thanks for their model and the, what they showed for us. Help us, Lord, now as we come to you as this church 
Thank you for these gifts that these folks give and the blessings that they receive. And Lord, use these for your glory and your honor to spread the great news of Jesus Christ throughout the world. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Father, what a great day it is to be in your presence. As we're reminded this morning, we woke up, that sun was shining. And the beautiful white snow was reflective of what you've done for us. That you've cleansed our souls. And you've given us clean slates to start afresh. Every day, Lord, your mercies are new to us every morning. We just give you praise. We give you thanks, Lord God, for this day. And for the many opportunities we've had to enjoy family and friends during this holiday vacation. We pray also too, Lord, for uh, the situations all across the world. We think of Afghanistan. We think of um, all these nations that are, especially in Israel right now, and Hamas and Israel and all that that's going on. We pray for the hostages to be released. We know some have. We pray, Father God, for those who are involved with all that and doing the diplomacy, Lord, that you give them wisdom how to do that. We pray for Netanyahu and the Israelites and as they work, Lord, to bring about that peace in that land. We pray also, too, for our government. We think of our president, we think of Congress, we think of the Supreme Court. As they balance each other's out and they work hard, Lord, and diligently to preserve the Constitution and the rights that we all as citizens share here in this great country and also the freedoms that we have. We praise you, Lord, and thank you for all men and women who are putting their lives on the line every day in other countries to keep our freedom for those who are putting their lives on the line every day in our communities so that we can live in a free and safe environment 
Watch over them, God. Guard their hearts. There are many things that they see that are ugly and can easily embitter their lives. We pray, Father God, too, for our shut-ins. We think of Lucille. We think of Joyce. We thank you, Lord, for Joyce's surgery on her back. We pray for continued healing for her. We pray also, too, for Mindy and Sherry, as they're both having heart issues, Howard's daughters, that you'll bring healing to them. I pray also, too, Father God, for Howard, as um, uh, Howard um, Long and and Betty Long, as they both had surgery for cancer, him on his head and her off her leg. We pray for healing now, take away the pain, and stop any spread of that cancer. We pray for our brother Everett Long, and we pray for his healing for his cancer and Samantha Mama, and for Jason Stevens and Jordan Ruples. We also lift up Leanne for the healing for her knee surgery and for Janet's neighbor. We pray also, too, for Carol's son, Brad. Lord, just be with him and bring him the healing that he needs. I pray also for Gage in Dallas as they lost their little baby. I just pray that you'll be with them. Be with Derek, too, who lost his wife. And be with uh, the family that lost a daughter, Father God. Just watch over them, bring comfort and peace to their hearts. We pray also for Nick as he's preparing for surgery and as they work towards healing and bringing um, strength in his body. We pray also too for Mr. Mack, our teacher who is battling cancer, and for our school secretary who lost her dad. And just bring comfort to her. We pray also too, Father God, for um, the challenges that are ahead of us now in this life. You know what they are. Help us, Lord, as we battle. Help us never to get weary in well-doing, but in due season, as you promise, we'll reap if we faint not. And now, Lord God, we ask you that you open up your word to us so we can hear what we need to hear. We can apply it to our lives, apply it to our minds and into our hearts to bring us comfort, strength, and direction. And it's in your name we pray this, Christ. Amen. Eleanor Roosevelt once said, freedom does, has a huge requirement of every human being. And that freedom comes with a willingness for us all to grow, but also comes with responsibility. One of the tragedies of our day, a lot of people have taken that freedom and used it as a source of a license to do anything, rather than to be responsible for one another. She said freedom is costly, thousands of lives. If you go to the Robert Dole hospital out here and you walk in the front entrance and it says the cost of freedom and then you walk down the halls and you see people without eyes or no legs or limbs and you can see what it really costs for us to be free. What happens to a society sometimes it gets the freedom but then also diverts into selfishness and eventually moral decay. David Hume once wrote, it's seldom that liberty of all any kind is lost at once. Slavery has, has so frightened an, an aspect of men accustomed to freedom that it will steal them. It'll steal them by degrees and disguises itself as thousands of shapes of fun in order to be received. 
Today we're looking at the process that Israel has gone through. If you remember, their parents dropped dead in the wilderness because they disobeyed God and they refused to have faith to go into the promised land. Well, now their children are at the crux to go into the promised land with Joshua leading them. And yet we know that they have been struggling, just like their parents, by faith to take what God has promised them. Sometimes Christians have a problem with that. They have problems with accepting what God has given to them because of fear. Fear of the unknown. American professor Alexander Taylor once said about the American Revolution. And he said this because most countries that they've studied in history last about 200 years before they fall apart. He says the average age of the world's greatest civilizations has been 200 years. And what happens is they progress and through a sequence that kindly causes them a collapse. They begin with the bondage stage that they're released from. They go into the freedom stage, which everybody enjoys, but then self-interest begins to take over. And people want to dominate. Groups want to dominate. People, individuals want to dominate. And then all of a sudden chaos hits. Because everybody's wanting their own thing. And then collapse comes to those civilizations. And today Moses knew that. God had given that, that wisdom, and that's why Moses comes to the children of Israel. And his last sermons, that's what Deuteronomy is, is his last sermons to the children of Israel. And if you remember, he can't go in because he sinned against God as a leader. And God said, you're going to be able to see them go in, but you're not going in because he failed as a leader. But God graciously gave him heaven, of course. But he wants to prepare them. He wants them to know that what they are to believe in God should translate into action. In fact, all throughout the Bible, this happens. If you look at Paul's writings, all his letters, they begin with orthodoxy, which means right beliefs. And the first three chapters, for instance, of Ephesians, he talks about right believing. And then he transitions in chapter four and talks about right actions from those beliefs. And that's what the Bible is full of. God gives us that. He gives us the right beliefs and then he shows us and encourages us to take the right actions. And this is what Moses is doing today. And the Bible says that Moses and the elders charge the people saying, keep all the commandments which I have commanded you today. Now he's given them all the commandments. And again, he's rehearsing it to the new children of Israel, the kids. And he's done this all the way long now, trying to reinforce in their heads what's right in God's eyes. And that the choice is present, though, for them. Either to follow God's way, or they're going to get confused and messed up and go back into chaos, just like we talked about what happens to most societies. And the two mountains that come along here, and, and what's going to happen is Joshua is going to do the same thing on Mount Elam. He's going to proclaim the same words to Israel. He wants them to understand. And you see, they're still children in their faith. They still don't understand God fully. They don't understand his love, his compassion, his compare. As we struggle with sometimes, don't we? 
We think we know and then something happens that jars that. Causes us to question. Sometimes we wrestle with things and we're confused about them. We don't know what they are. And what God does is for these young children, like we do with little children, they don't understand concepts of being good. So we have to give them punishments so that they get the idea. And what God does then through Moses, he talks to them about the curses that could happen to them if they don't follow his way. And he goes through this whole series. He says, cursed is he who does not confirm the words of my law by doing them. And all the people said, Amen. So he goes through this list of curses. And at each one of them, they say, Amen. So be it. We're with you there, Moses. The first curse, of course, is the idolatry, which was at the first commandment. Then he moves through that of property and also being part of a good family. All those, and if we don't do this, there's going to be curses on our families, there's going to be curses on our work. The fifth curse he focuses on is be kindness and justice. And if we're not kind and just, we will get our just deserves, he says. He goes on to the sixth and ninth. He talks about sexual purity. He talks about being with your neighbor and about how you are to be able to be separate but brothers and sisters. And he talks about the sins of sex, of bestiality and stuff like that, that are not from God. And they should be strayed away from and in the 10th and 11th curses, he talks about thou shalt not kill. He's talking about murder and, and the intensity that comes when we covet and we try to take from somebody and that we are condemned. Also, the leaders who are in justice are supposed to bring us justice and take bribes and the curses that fall upon them. And then the 12th curse, by not obeying to God, they will receive curses of life. You see, all these, the children of Israel said amen to Oh, we believe. <laughs> but he knew how easy it is to get slip and slide away. I was telling the guys the other Tuesday morning, I was, one time I was with a buddy in a boat at a camp. It was a beautiful, calm day. And we were just relaxing on this rowboat. And we kind of laid back a little bit. And we were just floating along. And all of a sudden we heard this rushing water. And here we were at the edge of a, a waterfall. <laughs> and if you want to see guys paddle like never before in their life, we were paddling like maniacs. And you see, this is what Moses is saying to the children. It's very subtle. And subtle and slow and quiet. And then all of a sudden you're at the precipice. He says, warns them, he says, now, if these shall now, now it shall be that if you diligently obey God, being careful to do his commandments, which I command you today, the Lord will set you high above all the nations, and all these blessings will come upon you and overtake you if you are to obey God. And now Moses opens this door of these super blessings about how they're going to be the most privileged people in the world, and how they're going to be the light. To the Gentiles, us. And that's how Christ came to the world. Did he not? And that's why Paul says in Romans chapter 1, he says, for the Jew first. Jesus came first for the Jewish promised lambs of God, of the Jews. And then he came for us Gentiles. And right now he's using us as Gentiles 
to envy, envy the, the enviness of the Jews after us and to see what we have in Christ that they're missing right now of their Messiah. And he says, you're going to be a blessed people. And he talks about this mound of blessing that God is going to give Israel and how he's going to take care of her. And how she needs to really pay attention to what God is saying to them. Because they have all these blessings waiting for them. If they obey. If they walk in his ways. And notice what he says. But it shall come about that if you do not obey the Lord your God. Observe the commandments and the statutes that I charged to you today. That all the curses will come upon you and overtake. And he again re reminds them of the curses. You know why? Because he loves them. As parents and as grandparents, when we correct our grandchildren, it's because we love them. And they may get mad at us or they may cry or they get upset. But God wanted the children of Israel to understand. And you see, this is what's happening in our world today. All throughout history, if you trace the Jews, they when they followed the Lord... Things went well with them. But as soon as they began walking other ways and following other idols, they fell flat on their face. In fact, I was reading about a historian that says the Jews are the most persecuted ever in the history of the world. And they've been most persecuted. They lost their land and they got their land and they lost their land. If you look at all their history throughout the Bible. The struggles they went through in the judges period of their and then the kings came and then they split Israel up because of disobedience. And then they lost it by the Assyrians coming down and wiping them out. And then the Babylonians came and carried off their young people like Daniel, Shadrach and Abednego. And then you see the Romans take over and all the things that Israel went through in Jerusalem. And yet it's still there today. And back in 1948, they recovered. Now God has been faithful to them all through that. And what we're seeing, and, and, and we know what they went through with Hitler. And all the persecution and the millions of Jews that lost their lives. And the Bible here is speaking to us today in the church. God's Israel. That we need to be very careful. As a church. As the body of Christ throughout the world. That what we're accepting what we're allowing to come into the church. That's why we took our stand against our denomination. And we're going to continue to speak out against those things that are not of God. That are being brought into the church. And patting people on the back and saying it's okay. When it's not okay with God. That we in the church and our own selves personally need to watch what we take in. How easy it is for movies to infect their garbage upon us. And begin to say things are okay. You know, there's been a game plan by a group of intellectuals who want to make this woke movement take over our lives. And to take Christians who strongly believe in the word of God and want to pull them away from that. And they will harass us. They will mock us. They will call us all kinds of phobics because they're in rebellion against God. And they mock you. For even believing that. But brother and sister. Don't ever back down. God's word is eternal. And it will not return to him void. The Bible says. And that no matter what the world says. No matter what's in vogue today. Will be wiped away. 
I'll never forget, we were going through pictures the other night, my wife and I. And how many of you remember some of the outfits you wore when you were 15 or 16? Or I remember we went to a kind of a dance at our college. And I had these brown plaid bell-bottom pants that I'd be afraid that I think if I went downtown, they might pick me up as a homeless person. And that I had this tie that was, and I'm thinking, man. Now we thought that was cool. <laughs> Can you imagine what God thinks when these people make these things up and think they are cool? He just, the Bible says it in Psalm 11, he laughs in the heavens. Because he knows how foolish they are. And we too, as God's chosen people, need to be very careful. And one of the things that's important, you know, we talked about thankfulness last week. Thankfulness is a wonderful tool for our hearts. Especially when we're discouraged, it can lift us up. Because when we start thinking of all the good things that God has done for us, you begin to realize that he's on your corner. And he's helping you. One of the other things, though, that... Moses and God were concerned about is the people forgot about God's grace. What God's grace is all about. And he lays it out here. Deuteronomy chapter 29. He says, these are the words of the covenant that the Lord commanded Moses to make with his sons of Israel in the land of Moab. Besides the covenant which he made with them at Horeb. Moses summoned all Israel and said to them, You have seen all the Lord has done be, did before your eyes in the land of Egypt to Pharaoh, and all his servants in all his land, the great trials which your eyes have seen, and the great signs and wonders. And yet, to this day, you had, Lord has not given you a heart to know, nor eyes to see, nor ears to hear. They're still not getting his grace here. He's saying, look at all the provisions that he made to get you out of Egypt. How he took care of Pharaoh. Then look what he goes on to say. And I led you for 40 years. Even after they rebelled, he still stepped with the children of Israel because he's committed himself to his children. And when he says, I have led you 40 years in the wilderness, your clothes did not wear out. Now, I'm not saying what they smelled like. But their clothes did not wear out. And your sandals had not worn out on your foot. Now some of us have a problem with having a shoe for three months. And here for 40 years they used the same sandals and they never wore out. All that was God's provision. Because they didn't have time to stop and fix new shoes. And you have not eaten bread, nor have you drunk wine, nor you strong drink, in order that you might know that I am the Lord your God. He gave them the water to supply them. He gave them the manna so that they could eat because they didn't have the time. And they were learning as they walked through the desert to be obedient to God. And then he says, look what he did for you. You guys had no weapons, but you had trowels. You had sickles. You were farmers. You were taking care of animals. You were breeders of sheep. And when you reached the place of Shyam, the king of Heshbon, who was a king with an army that's well trained, and Og, the king of Bashan, and came out to meet us for battle, you beat him. Was that because you were such a studly army? No. 
Because God caused that to happen. That you beat an army that was well trained. It would be as if you were to go and take a fifth grade class to go against the chiefs. And the fifth grade class beat the chiefs. And he said, this is what he did. You see, it's all because of God's grace that you have this. In the treaty, in the covenant that God made, he didn't have to covenant with Israel. He took them as the smallest, the weakest group of people and covenanted with them because he wanted to show that it depended nothing on them, but totally on his grace. So that they would realize this is all by his doing and nothing that they added to themselves. And it's just like us with our salvation. Here he's showing them already the wonderful salvation that we now have experienced. That we know there's nothing we bring to God. I get, a, I get really sad when I'm witnessing to people in the park or when I'm witnessing to them at the mall. Or, and they say, yeah, well, I say, well, if you're to die tonight, what do you think? Well, I've been a good person. I've cheated on my wife. I'm a nice guy. I even shoveled my neighbor's driveway this morning in the cold. And I think, you know, God sees me and he's going to let me in. <laughs> what? Look at your life. If you've sinned once, you're a sinner. And the penalty, the Bible says, of sin is death and that it's only by God's grace that you're saved now you guys know there are a lot of good people that we know some of them go to church even that think they're getting into heaven because they've been good people or they've gone to church their whole life going into a church does not make you a Christian going into a garage does not make me a car period what it is is it's because of the grace of Jesus Christ. And I've used this illustration before, but let me tell you something. If you have a friend who really believes that they're saved by their good works, you tell them this story. And say, let's just so happen to say that I wind up murdering somebody. And you find out. And because you're such a good person, and you only have one son. You go to the warden and to the governor and said, would you let this guy go? And I'll let you take my son and put him in his place in the electric chair. And have him killed. So my friend can get, my friend Dave can be free. And the governor and the warden say, okay. Your son dies. And I get set free. One day we're at IHOP. And all of a sudden you're sitting in a booth and you hear a familiar voice in the booth behind you. And it's me. And I sit down with a good friend and they said, well, how did you get out? Didn't you have a murder conviction and you were going to have to die for your murder? Well, the warden saw what a good guy was. And how I cared for all these people. 
and how nice I was to him and his family that I was a steward and they let me clean their house. And he said, you know, Dave is such a good guy. I think we should release him. And you hear that as a father or as a mother whose son gave himself for me. How would you feel? Would that not hurt? How do you think it feels when people claim that they're good enough to get into heaven and ignore what Jesus Christ has done for them? Don't you think that would make God mad? I would think so. You see, we can't reject God's grace. God's grace is there and he wanted the children of Israel to understand that that grace is there for them. And if we lose sight of that grace, sometimes bitterness can come into our hearts. Sometimes we feel that we are entitled to more. We forget what God has given to us and how he didn't have to give us anything. But because of his graciousness, he gives it to us. And sometimes we get to the point where, what have you done for me lately, God? <laughs> you have to breathe. You see, like everyone else, we can be set free, but then we can begin the process of moving back into bondage if we're not here. We can find ourselves being brought under the bondage that we don't even know. Because our self, our selfishness, wants more and more. And if we don't keep it in check and under the Lordship of Christ and remind ourselves, of God's grace, we can easily lose the freedom and joy that we have in Jesus Christ and wind up under bondage again. You see, it takes a very slow process, but it can happen. I was reading about East Germans, how they would catch wild hogs. And they would put corn out and they would come out and feed and they'd put a fence in front of it and they'd come every day, but then they put another fence around and another fence and it became so comfortable as they fed that by the time they had brought in their loved ones, these pigs, they'd have built a fence around them and they were all captured. And you see, we have to be so careful in our generation because we've been given so much and we can become very comfortable and get ourselves trapped into things that are not from the Lord it can destroy our relationship with the Lord because they're of self-interest. And they get so much involved in our life, we don't have time for God. We see that in the children of Israel constantly. If you read the Old Testament and you see what kings had done again and again. What is happening in our country right now? Are we being run by a bunch of leaders who are self-interested in filling their pockets? And not really thinking about what the people of our nation need. Israel went into total drastic disaster when Jehoiakim became king. And when he became king, he reigned for 11 years, but it was all about him. And then his brother came and joined Chin. And him the same way, and he lasted only a year. And right after that, Zedekiah came and reigned another 11 years. But it was the collapse of the kingdom because they were all worried about they hear them. These leaders had disregarded the grace of God. 
We need to pray for our leaders to not lose sight of that. And we see that happening today. I'm concerned about all these leaders have so many other self-interests to fill their pockets. What are they thinking about us? How are they taking care of the body, this group of nation called America? And has God got an impending judgment on them that we will suffer from? You see, this is all part of that, and chaos could easily strike in this nation. We're seeing it now. Nobody wants to believe in any morals anymore. They want to just do whatever they want. And the tragedy of it is those wants can easily bring consequences that nobody wants to face. Bring bondage. We see that in our own personal lives. We have to be careful. Now, how often are you very diligent in looking at what you take in from the TV or from relationships? or from what you eat, or who even you hang out with. There's some people that I realize where they're coming from, and I realize I have to be watchful of where they're coming from. Because every once in a while they want to interject something that is not godly. They want to make you feel like, boy, Dave, you're the prude. <laughs> well, that's because you're a minister. No. I'm that way because I love Jesus. And I know Jesus would be very upset if I got involved with that. I know one young man I had an issue with because he was a gambler, professional gambler. We had a discussion about that. It was very heartwarming, but I felt for him. Because you see, he was not at the top of his game that day. He was right at this point right now where he's gonna lose his house and his wife and family. And he kept on, you know how they get going as he wanted to make another bet to make it up. And every time he went to make that other bet, it didn't happen. And he began hitting up friends for money. You know, another man who basically took his 401k that his wife didn't know. When she found out, he got the divorce papers. And his life was in a spiral because he lost his job. And then the day in which they put a pink slip on his back door, I got a call from the police department. They wanted to talk to me because he was suicidal. He had a gun to his head in the apartment down here on Mays Road. And what brought him to that point? You see, because he wanted to make it quick, he thought he could get it quick. And he thought that that was the way, and then he realized he almost lost everything, especially his life. And we understand then that as brothers and sisters in Christ, it's by grace. Not only our salvation, but our lives and everything that we have in it. And you see, God comes to now the children of Israel and wants to give them the formula for life. And this is something that we need to remember our whole existence. He says two things here about God. 
First, he says, the secret things belong to the Lord your God, but the things revealed belong to us and to the sons forever. That we may observe all the words of the law. And remember, Israel is in this spot right now. God has taken them through a lot of things that they didn't even realize they were going to go through, but God did. There are things in God that he knows about us that we don't know. He knows the history behind all of us. Not only does he have the history, but he also knows the future. And he's not going to reveal all that to us. I am amazed at sometimes how many people, Christians, who want to go and get their tarot cards read to find out what's next in their life. Or somebody can magically tell them the future. Maybe make some promises. I've heard people say, and I've said it sometimes, I wish God would let me know what I'm doing. <laughs> Here, the Bible says, no, there's secret things that God has. Things that he doesn't want us to know. Why would he do that? We're his children. Why would he hold back from us? Why doesn't he tell me what I'm going to have in six months, the, the diagnosis of cancer? Or why would he not tell me what's going to happen to my kids so I can maybe better prepare for it? What about this church? What's it going to look like in five years, God? He knows. Sure enough, he's going to let me know. Why is that? Why does he hold those things back from us? Why does he keep the secret? Jesus once said, they said it's sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. And that means he, he knows what we need. He'll provide for us when the time comes. And we don't need to be obsessed with the future. He's got it. And that... I don't know about you, but I see a lot of people worried about what, how the end is going to happen. What's going to come next when there's going to be tribulation? And am I going to have to go through tribulation? Or is it mid-tribulation I'm going to be sucked up? Or am I going to be raptured before? All these things people are worried about in Christian circles. But you see, God gave us faith. Oh, boy. He wants us to grow our faith. And if you knew everything about today and tomorrow, would you have faith? Would you have to trust him? Or would you just go along and say, what's going to happen now? I know, so I'm cool. Or do you have to trust him fully with everything that's going to happen? That's hard to do. Because we have a tendency when we don't know what's going on, we get anxious, we get worried. Paul says, be careful for nothing, don't be anxious. But in everything with prayer and supplication may your request be made known to God. That's hard to walk. But that's what he calls us to do, trust him. And then the second part of it, look what he says. He says, and he'll reveal things to us. 
that other people will not know. Some people have heard them, but they don't connect with it. They have not opened their heart to Jesus, and you have. Because he's revealed it to you, and he's opened up your heart so that you can accept it. Our hearts don't want what God wants. In Romans chapter 3, it says we repel against God's will as sinners. When our hearts are churned and, and being born again, we want what he wants. And he gives us that, and then we understand these things. And these things belong to us, and they belong to us for eternity. And then we don't have to be dismayed or shattered, the Bible says. But we can be confident as we walk through life. And no matter what God throws our way, we know that God's got us. And that we trust that. And we really believe that. We just don't say it. But it's actually a sense of a peace inside of us that passes all understanding in our hearts. And that we appreciate what God is doing. And we sense what he's doing. And there are times we may not like it. But we know that he's there. And that he cares. And that he's working for our good. And for his glory. There was a man who was a taxi driver in New York City. He picked up a fare. She said, take me to the George Washington Bridge. It was kind of unique. He thought to himself, well, maybe she wants to see the sights. And as they were traveling along, he said, boy, isn't this a great life? She said, no. She said, I hate this life. I'm tired of it. I want to end it. He said, you know, I felt that way a long time ago. He said, and my life was falling apart. And the oddest thing was I was driving in the car and this crazy man was on the radio talking about Jesus who loved me. He said, I laughed at it. And as he talked, I realized he was talking to me. And that I was in despair. I wanted to give up. And I was frustrated because I had children. And I wanted their respect. And I knew if I took my life, I, they may not like that and respect me. And then when this guy talked about Jesus... And how he just loved me for who I am. And wanted me. To be his child. And cared for me enough to die for me. He said I couldn't believe it. I've never experienced that kind of love in my life before. And that I needed Jesus. To forgive my sin. And help me make a better life. He says, and four, four years ago, he said, that was unbelievable, the change that I had in my life. And he began to change me. And honey, that can happen to you. 
Because he loves you and she is bawling in the back seat of his car. And he finally pulls aside and talks to her and begins to pray with her. And she decides not to take her life. I've seen this happen before. I had a woman do that to me in Panera three years ago. Another one four years ago, a guy despairing with a Glock 9 to his head. They called me and they said I, he was my friend. I talked to him one time for five minutes at Panera and I was his best buddy. I was able to talk him out of his apartment and put the gun down and go get some help because he was broken. Because he wanted to do it his way. But God touched his heart. Realized that there's more to life than what he was trying to do. And gave me eternal life. Today we are so blessed. Because God, by his grace, what he's given to us, and that we don't have to fear the future because he's got it. And he's directing us in a way that we may not understand right now, but he does. And that there are things that he's given to us to meet that future. Because we're called by his name. And that we obey his will. And obeying his will, we find peace. Let's pray together. Lord God, I thank you so much. Being a God of understanding. Lord, we can confuse ourselves and mix ourselves up. But you are the one who does not get confused. And that you have us by the hand. As we walk this unfamiliar territory. Help us to trust you every step of the way. And live for you every day. And it's in your precious name, Jesus, I pray this. Amen. Let's stand for our benediction and let's close and sing our closing song. Now the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God your Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be and abide with you all now and forever. Amen. God be with you till we meet.